Welcome to the Hotel Moment Podcast, presented by Revenate, the podcast where we talk to leaders in the hospitality industry. If you're looking for trends, perspectives, and stories from leaders in travel and hospitality, you're in the right place. Hello and welcome everyone to the Hotel Moment Podcast. I am your host, Karen Stevens, the Chief Revenue Officer of Revenate. And today I am delighted to be joined by Sunish, who is the Vice President of E-Commerce and Revenue Management at Chroma Hospitality. Welcome, Sunish. Hey, Karen. Good morning. Good morning. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. You know, uh, a lot of hoteliers, we always aspire to move more and more bookings direct. And I cannot wait to share with our audience your story about how you did that 100% across the board. So, so I cannot wait to dig in. It's, uh, it's big stuff. But before we do that, first of all, where are you calling in from, Sunish? Where are you based? Well, I'm based out of Philippines, Manila. And I've been living here for the last 12 years. It's a beautiful city to live in. Wonderful. And can you tell us a little bit about Chroma Hospitality? Well, Chroma Hospitality is a, a homegrown uh, Filipino brand of hotels. It's uh, owned by one of the biggest conglomerates in the Philippines called Phil Invest. So who are into real estate and all that. And we are in the hospitality arm of Phil Invest. We manage around seven to eight properties in the Philippines at the moment. And a few brands. One is our five-star brand, which is called Crimson Hotels and Resorts under which we run a property, a city property in Alabang, which is a part of Manila. Then we also run two resort properties, one in Maktan Cebu, one in Boracay. Both are really nice five-star resorts. They, well, some of the, uh, I think even celebrities in the country like to live here. Even during the pandemic, we had almost every week, there were celebrities staying at Crimson Boracay as an example, right? And then we have a three-slash-four-star brand, which is called the Quest brand, under which we have another four properties. And we also manage a golf course in the Philippines, which is called Mimosa Golf Course. And I'm very proud to say that since 2016 that we took over this golf course, it's the first and the only golf course in the Philippines to have its own app and booking engine for the golf course where people can go and book their own golf and book directly and do everything on the app itself. So it was all done in-house by me and the team. That is fantastic. You don't often hear about hotel companies doing their own technology builds. So very cool. All right. Well, I'm excited to jump into the topic at hand. But before we do that, I have five questions I ask all my guests. So if you'll indulge me, I'll ask you a couple of questions to get us started. Sure, Absolutely. Okay, so the first question, when did you start working in the industry and do you remember your very first day on the job? Yeah, it was, I think it was year 2001. And uh, I would say it, I was quite nervous. I didn't know what to expect. I was not sure whether the three years of hospitality management and the trainings which I got were enough to prepare me for that. But obviously it's been a long journey from that unsure day at the front desk, working as a front desk agent, 22 years back to where I am today, I think it's a long journey and it's a, it's a fulfilled journey. Wonderful. You know, it's so cool. We have so many guests that started their careers in the front desk or in the restaurant all the way through. So it's exciting to have another person who started that journey. That's great. So the second question, what is the most uplifting moment so far in your career? Well, as a hotelier, especially in revenue management, e-commerce, 
There could be many because there could be a moment where we achieved the biggest revenue, for example, in the company, right? In 2018, we crossed $2 million in online revenue. But in 2019, we even further crossed it and went beyond $3 million, right? Only in online revenue. But obviously, I think it was during the COVID period that it was that uplifting moment because what happened in 2020 is that our online revenues and everything which you can really revenue manage as a revenue management vice president were all gone. So there were no opportunities for us. And then suddenly in 2021, the company, which our main company, Phil Invest, they were launching their own REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust. So it is called the Phil REIT. And it gave me an opportunity because they came to me as an expert and said, why don't you head this project for the whole digital marketing? So I created their website. I created all their ads. It was just a period of three months in which we had to do everything because within the next 60 days, the, the REIT was supposed to be launched. And there was a period of seven days window. Within that seven days, you have to make sure that it's all sold out, right? People have buying it. And we were able to reach 27 million people in the Philippines in the, within a period of 30 days after the website was launched and everything was launched. And the product got oversubscribed. And it was good enough because I thought that I could only do these things for hospitality because I've always been into hospitality. I'm a hospitality guy who went into tech at some point because of e-commerce, right? Wow, that's so cool. What a what an interesting problem to have when you're oversold. You're wondering if it's even going to work, and then the next thing you know, you're like you know, 27 million people. Wow, that's very cool. Okay, so this is more on a, a personal level. So what is your most striking experience so far in terms of a food experience or a stay or a holiday that you personally have taken in the Philippines or elsewhere? I guess in the last... A few years. I could have said India, but again, I've only experienced India when I was very young. I think in the many years of travel, especially in the Southeast Asia, I would say Vietnam, whether it's the food, the culture, whether it's having a simple drip coffee in the morning or seven in the morning having a hot pho, which is the which is their hot noodle soup. Which really amazes you because every every sip you take, you take you you have a different herb you can smell. Or in the three in the morning, after having drinks, going over to a ninety-year-old woman who gives you a piece of banh mi, which is the bread from Vietnam with different fillings in there, and which tastes the most amazing in the world, right? So so that's that's why I would say Vietnam even today because. I've been living out of Vietnam for 13 years. 13 years back, I used to stay in Vietnam. I, in fact, my wife is even Vietnamese. My kids all carry a Vietnamese passport. I have three boys. But even today, I think every three, four months, we go to Vietnam just to experience that again, right? That's wonderful. You know, it's ironic. This week, uh, while we're recording this, members of our sales team are in Hanoi for a conference. And the first thing our vice president of sales said to me was, the food lives up to the hype. It's amazing. <laughs> so, so that's got to be on my list. That's fantastic. 
Okay. Now you alluded to this question before when you were talking about your luxury brands, the properties that you have. So fourth question, have you met any celebrities while you've been in the trenches in hospitality? I'm not sure if for everybody he's a celebrity, but for me he is. Mr. Bill Henneke, William Henneke, the founder and chairman of Minor Hospitality or the Minor Group, the one who hands Anantaras and those. I used to work for him in the year 2007. I was managing the revenue management for one of the Anantaras and the Naladu properties. There are three properties at that time, one of the most luxurious properties in um, Maldives at those time. And uh, I was managing the revenue management for the three islands together. And over those times, I met him a few times. He used to come in his private helicopters uh, from Thailand or from Sri Lanka because one of his partners, Mr. Rajkaria, is a Sri Lankan as well. So why I would say he's a celebrity, the way he carries himself, and the story he has, which, which really inspires me as a hotelier, right? Because him coming in 1960s to Thailand which, with $5,000 in his pocket, starting an office cleaning company, as American, cleaning up the offices by himself. And by 1976 or 79, he started the Minor International Group with, with few hotels. And today he has more than 100 hotels, I think. He has few other businesses as well under that. I think even there, they have ice cream brands and pizza brands and all that. You go over all over Thailand, you will see those, right? And now he's even spreading his across, right, like different brands. So that's why I would say that he is one of those guys. Uh, I even remember today, it was a Christmas Eve, 2007, and I just finished stranding out my next three months forecast as a revenue manager for the group. I was sending out the three months forecast for the Maldives properties. And I thought that it's a Christmas Eve. I think almost everybody who used to work with me in the corporate office, the ones who used to receive it, including the GM and everyone, was either European or American. And they were all going to celebrate Christmas. So I didn't expect that anyone will reply to me. But 7.30 in that evening, I get... In three minutes of sending it out, I get an email from Mr. Henneke asking me why this date has this type of occupancy, why this date has this type of ADR, and what do you think is going to happen in the next month with the forecast being below by 20%? What are we going to do about it? So attention to visionary and attention to detail. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that to the Christmas Eve and so also you would really think that that's a kind of vision which brings people places or brings companies to places. To great places. Wow, that's a great one. That's a great one. Okay, last question. Who are the women at work you have been most inspired by? I guess, um, again, um, I, in that I would go really to my current workplace because uh, I would really say it will be our president and chairperson of PhilInvest Group which is Mrs. Josephine Kotyanan-Yap. She heading a very big company because 
the company is into real estate, the company is into development, companies into hospitality. Actually, hospitality is like 3% of their entire business only. They even own banks. We have East West Bank with almost 400 or 500 branches within the Philippines already. Plus, they, they are also into power generation, so they, they, they develop their own power. So they are one of the power developing companies in the Philippines as well. So knowing her for the last 12 years, knowing even, even the Crimson Boracay, the our most luxurious property in Boracay, which I was talking about, I still remember 12 years back coming into the company and sitting with her in meetings from my first week at work, talking about what her vision for Boracay is, how she was talking about at that time about Barcadas, right? Barcada, group of young people traveling together, and how she, how she would like that Barcada people to come in. So that's why she wanted, for example, two bigger bigger size of twin beds in the room instead of smaller twin beds, so that two friends, two friends could share in case there's some Barcadas coming in. And so that, that's just one example, right? Or well, with her vision with Phil Reed, uh, putting the buildings into a REIT or the Real Estate Investment Trust to make sure that the revenue is always flowing into the business, especially in the periods when COVID came in, right? So I'm, I'm very proud as I am in, to be in this company during a period like COVID that we did not have to, whether it was hospitality or whether it's any other fields, not a single field, we have to really ask anybody to be out of the company. For example, hospitality was the most affected one. So what, what happened is that even in our case, in my, from Chroma, for example, I had to just send some of my team members over to other parts of Phil Invest, right? But they made sure that not a single person was losing their job. And that's why I think it's very important to have someone like Mrs. Josephine uh, Gotianan to be in that leadership helm to make sure that we were safe, we were taken care of, and we never felt that we would be not safe during the, during a period like that. Even 2020, December 2020, I think one thing was that COVID was affecting us and the business was not there. And there was a little bit of business which came to our properties in December because a lot of locals wanted to travel at that time. And fortunately, the COVID during that time was a bit controlled in the country. So at least domestic-wise, you could travel with the test and all that. So at Crimson Maktan, which is another one of our resort properties, we had this lot of people coming and staying over and all that. And that is the night. It was the 17th of December, I think, or the 16th of December to 2020 that we had one of the biggest typhoons in the country. And that typhoon destroyed the resort 80%. Even my country manager, my boss, James Montenegro, he was staying there with his family. And fortunately, he came out of his villa, which was right on the edge of the ocean, five minutes before the whole roof fell down. So it was so bad. And 70% of the resort went down. I still remember four o'clock in the morning that day, Mrs. Yap was calling me already on the phone. She was calling everybody in the hospitality. She was putting together people from the fill-in west side, which was, which was her office side, right, all the communication people. She was setting them up, 
so that they can help us to make sure that because roads were closed, going to the resort, everything was closed. But she was there making sure that everything is well coordinated. She sent people over. She was coordinating all of these things by herself. So you could see someone with that big position. She's someone who's even bigger than the CEO of a big company, chairperson, and she is having that responsibility. I think that's where I salute her as a woman and I'm very proud that we have a we have a woman head who is managing this company right right from the top wonderful wow she just sounds like a, a powerhouse so and a compassionate powerhouse at that so that is that's a fantastic fantastic answer okay let's switch gears a little bit here and let's talk about the competitive booking landscape so in your role you're focused primarily on maximizing revenue of course but can you paint a picture for me from your point of view of what the environment is like today? We're post-COVID today. Finally, how do you feel about the competitive booking landscape? I think we have seen much better picture over the last 12 months because 2020, we were always talking about that, oh, this COVID is going to be there for six months, six months, six months. It continued up to a stage where Philippines was close to business, both domestic as well as international. So the only kind of business as a hospitality company or hotels we could get was the quarantine business coming in, which was obviously not enough in terms of both ADR as well as occupancy-wise to really make sure that the hotels can really run at full, full GOP levels and all that. But obviously, last 12 months to 18 months, we have seen things improving. Philippines as a as a economy is improving. We have seen that COVID is very much under control. We over the last six to nine months, I think we haven't worn any mask in the public or anywhere else, right? But in terms of the business, I think we have seen that the domestic business has continued to be very strong. And over the last six months, there is international business starting to come in. But if I look at the picture over the last four months, I think we could say we are at a level of 60% to 65% of where we were in 2019. But again, 2019, if you go back, 2019 was, was the best year for most of the hotels in Southeast Asia, not only for the Philippines. For us, obviously, it was the best year for as a hotel group. So if we say that we have reached 80% already, that means we are already at a very good stage. We are already at 2018, right, levels, which are very good. So in terms of the market, uh, we would say, we are already saying that most of the wholesalers have started giving back their rates to the online. So that has started again, which means that there is demand already out there. We are also seeing that that demand has been mostly taken over by the OTAs because OTAs are becoming strong again. There's there's a lot of advertisement advertisement dollars which have been put into by both Expedia, Goda, and Booking.com. So obviously, if you look at that, yes, the demand business is coming back. So everybody is everybody is starting to be in a competitive way already. All the hoteliers have started to put in their ad money already. So I, I can see that everywhere, even for us, 
I think we have started putting in the ad money already for all of our hotels at almost 100% of where we were at 2019. Okay. So you mentioned something. I, I assume most of our listeners are hoteliers or know something about hospitality, but you mentioned a little nugget in there about wholesalers, about wholesalers making rates available online. So can you just give the 30 second description of what the issue is and why that's a problem for hoteliers? I think it started with uh, meta search engines. Everybody has to understand what is meta search because when you go talk about meta search, many years back, when there were only hotels and OTS, it was much more easier. Because you you look at five, six, seven, eight, ten OTAs, and you can already compare and say, okay, this is where my rates are, these are all my rates. But around 2016, 2017, MetaSearch became very prominent. So MetaSearch are people like kayaks, people like hotels combined, revatos and all that. Even Google has become a meta search almost now. And one of the main things which they do is that they take their reads from thousands of sources. And this could, anybody who has an API connectivity to one of the big, big agents at one of the big uh, meta search engines will be able to take their reads, whether it's contracted, whether it's a travel agency rate, whether it's an OTA rate, doesn't matter. So, for example, your contracted rate will be $70, your online rate is $120. Does not matter because somebody could be taking the contracted rate given to the wholesaler, selling it to one of these agents who has a big API connectivity to one of the meta search engines, and there you go, your rates are going to appear at $80, $90 versus your online rate on your brand website at $120 on Booking.com, Agoda, or anywhere else, everybody's going to see that big disparity, right? So when did it become bigger? It became bigger when 2019 onwards, these big agents like OTAs, like Expedia, Agoda, Booking.com, they said they're losing all their direct business to these meta search engines. So they were putting a direct connectivity as well, and nobody was buying them. They were losing it out. So what they did, they started buying from the wholesale. So if you think about all the bigger wholesalers in the picture, which is Hotel Bears, GTA, who has also become Hotel Bears, DOTW, Mickey Travel, all of them are today having an API connectivity to Agoda, Expedia, Booking.com, everybody. So today you don't know where your rates are being sold. Right. And I think that's the crux of the issue because those wholesaler rates go out and they're resold, unbundled, repackaged, sold on different APIs. Of course, you have to have parity clauses in all of your contracts if you want to distribute online. You have to maintain parity with your own website. You're not even in parity with your own website against the vendors who are telling you to be in parity. So it really has become a spaghetti junction of a mess. And I think a lot of hoteliers feel that pain, no matter what market you're in. So tell us, what was your approach to kind of unwinding that? It sounded like you started with one property, but please take our listeners through how your approach was to kind of combat that issue. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, I'll, I'll start with 2019 because that's when it really started becoming very big for us because we started seeing our online revenues growing by huge percentages. So one thing which we were seeing was that even though the numbers are growing, 
the profitability was not growing because we were giving big amounts out there as commissions. The commissions were big. In Philippine pesos, we were paying millions every month in commissions. And when we look also at the offline picture, we were saying that offline agents were also growing with that. And we were saying, how is offline agents growing? When you look at the overall Philippines distribution, it's mostly online, which has been distributed. So which means that uh, most of that business, which has been purchased, has been purchased on an online platform. So why is it that offline is also growing by exponential numbers? And then we started doing more and more test bookings. I created in 2019 a department under e-commerce, which was called Disparity Department. So Disparity Department, I had two people, one supervisor, one agent, working in that, make sure that they could check on different IP addresses. They were given all the tools. And the only thing they do for all our six, seven properties is sit down there and make sure that wherever they see parity, either they take screenshots or they can do test bookings together with me. So I'll help them to do the test booking with my own credit cards. And then making sure that we take it forward to both the sales team as well as to OTAs who are connected. So that was one thing. But 2020, with all those things happening, we had to close down the parity department. And obviously, 2021, we started seeing that the business was slowly coming in. And by 2022, the first quarter, the business started to come in very strongly, especially from the domestic market. But then we started also seeing that some of our markets, where they have Chinese rates given to agents, those Chinese rates are starting to produce already. And sales team was saying, oh, my Chinese agent is producing this much, that much. I'm like, where's your Chinese agent producing from? When the, all these customers who are coming in are Filipinos. Why, why are the Chinese agents selling to them? So I went to some of these Chinese agent sites and started doing test bookings. And this, all these bookings started coming out as, you know already, it's all wholesalers. And it's a big, big, big mess, right? So one day, could not take it anymore because you, told, you see a disparity from Agoda. And then you send the screenshots to Agoda and say, why, why are you selling this rate? You have not been given this rate. You should be selling at this, this pricing. Because I give you this pricing. You're selling 10% cheaper than that. Oh, that's because Booking.com is selling at this price. Then I go to Booking.com and I ask them, why are you selling at this price? They say, oh, because Expedia is selling this price. Go to Expedia and ask them, why are you selling this price? Well, that's because Agoda is selling that price. So they were all putting it on each other. So one day we said to each other, we took a collective decision in the corporate office, only at the revenue management and e-commerce level. We did not inform to anybody else. We said, let's do this. This is the hotel where we see the most parity, close all channels one after the other, based on one strike policy. So pre-COVID, we used to do a three-strike policy. Three-strike policy was 
Number one, you send them a small email with a with a screenshots and all that. Number two, send them a warning letter. Number three, close them out for 30 days. But in this case, I said, everybody, no need to say motion warnings. Do a test booking. If Agoda, Expedia, anybody is, has that problem, close them, close them. So one strike, we started closing. The number one to close was, I think, booking.com. Number two was Expedia. Fortunately, most of the bigger wholesalers, the ones who distribute, like Hotel Bags, GTA, Mickey Travel, DOTW, all these guys are also managed by my central uh, e-commerce team. Because in 2017, when all these problems started, the test bookings, most of those bookings were coming from there. So we took all of that from the sales teams and put it under the under one umbrella. So we were able to close all of them. I think within a period of six days of that week, we started it on a Monday by Friday evening, I think, or Saturday morning, we were we closed out every online channel which was there. Now, what happened with that? I'm, I'm sure you're going to ask me that That's question. That's the question because a lot yeah. of hoteliers are thinking, man, if I closed all of my e-commerce channels, if I closed all of my OTAs, Oh my gosh. So tell us what happened. <laughs> hey, um, I, I know at the Dag Booking Summit, uh, DBS, I, I showed them step-by-step step what happened, right? I think it's a podcast, so it will be difficult for me to show on that. But I'll just give them a basic idea of what happened. Over the, that first week, I think from the time we closed Booking.com to the end of that, I think we lost close to 65 to 70% of our online revenue for that week. So even our brand business, which was, do, I think at that time our brand was doing 40% of the total online revenue for that hotel and rest of the 60% was coming from the OTAs. The brand went down to 28% or even. So obviously we were saying that even the brand went down and then second week, we started that the brand started to go up. Brand started to go up to 38, 40% by week two. So that means we, we got back that demands. But you, there you start seeing that, that billboard effect, right? Because that's where I also tell everybody in the group as well as any hoteliers that at the end of the day, as an independent hotel company or even someone who's running smaller hotels, you cannot manage to be without that distribution. You still need the OTAs because you need that billboard effect. Because what happens is that when people look for you, look for, let's say, hotels in Boracay, and then they look at all the hotels, and then they see two interesting hotels, and one of them is yours, for example. They go to TripAdvisor and check it out. Then after that, they will go to your own website and check it out, whether you're running a special promotion or something like that. And if they don't find anything good there, that is the time they will go back and book on their best channel, which could be anything, right? So that's why you did the billboard effect. So I know by the end of the second week, on the last day of the second week, on that Saturday, we almost reached 50% of the total online business. The third week when we closed entire everything, we reached almost 
70% of the online revenue we got back. And everything of that 70% came on our own van website. Which also meant that we had to also increase our ads. So we had to make sure that our Google ads or Facebook ads or Instagram ads, everything was at its maximum. So that gave us the picture that if you are able to penetrate in in your ads, make sure that people are able to see your hotel when they are looking for it, you are able to do retargeting to them. Then in that case, you have a chance to get that business. That's number one. Number two, obviously, we, we did a study, right? And I think it's a study also done by people like Triptys and all that. And it's something which has found that 50 to 60% of the business which is undercut. That means every time somebody looks for your hotel and then they see a rate undercut, 60% of the time that undercut is between 5 to 7% only. So then I started looking at it like this. Why not make sure that your brand business, brand website is always at 5 to 7% gap to all the OTAs. So automatically give the OTAs 5 to 7% higher rates and keep your brand at that level. So automatically 60% of your major problem, you're able to resolve it immediately. That was number one. Number two, which is something which I did not knew until 2022. I learned it recently. Is that you cannot look at every disparity as same. The reason why I say it, when there is a disparity on Agoda, when there's a disparity on Expedia versus Booking.com, you have to look at each one of them in a different way. Because you have to see when you get the most disparity on Booking.com, is that the time that you lose the most business on direct? Or is it when on Expedia or on Agoda? So after that study, we, we found out that for example, when Trip.com or Agoda was showing disparity, same percentage of disparity versus Booking.com. Booking.com, if there is a disparity, there's an 80% chance that your direct business will be affected. Interesting. But when it's on Trip.com and Agoda, it's only, I think, 30 or 40%. So that has to do with website traffic, right? That has to do with eyes. Is that your assumption there? It's it's um I think it's it's got to do with which one of these agents has the most trust with the consumers. Okay. There you go. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I'm curious, you said that you you increased your marketing spend. So in fact, you shifted the cost of sale, right? You you went away from commissions. And you decided to move that over into more of a direct marketing, which nowadays, nowadays, Google, Facebook, Instagram, these are channels that, you know, even 10 years ago might not have been that effective, right? The OTA was really the only show in town. And of course, billboard effect was was huge then. Now, I think less so. I definitely understand what you're saying, but I'm curious of how that stacked up, that increased marketing spend stacked up as compared to the commissions that you were paying before? Was it about the same? Was it less? Like, what was your experience there? I would say it's around only 40 to 50% of the total spend on the commissions before that. 
And when you're talking about millions in commissions, that's significant. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's significant because yes, if especially if you are running one of the luxury properties, I would say that in some of our luxury properties, we could do on Google search and display ads, we could do 30 times our ROI. So every $100 spent, you could make $3,000. It becomes more difficult for us in smaller properties with a smaller ADR. So obviously you have to make that balance out, especially if you're running a group, automatically you have to really balance it out in such a way that you cannot go overboard with properties where the ADR is very low. But with properties where your ADR is very high, the more direct business you can get, the better. There's some hotels where our single booking, one booking could be worth $1,000. Sometimes but $2,000. If you're $2,000 booking, you're paying 15%. That's the lowest you can say, right? 15% commission. That's $300 you spend on commissions. Do you think you need $300 to generate that one booking mm -hmm. online? That's crazy. You know, so we, obvi <laughs> Revenate obviously has an email marketing CRM platform. And I know that, uh, I know, I'm not sure if you use a CRM, but the point I was going to make is that our most savvy hotel groups use the guest data that they have in their own CRM to find lookalike bookers across Facebook and Instagram. So these are folks that you already know of, you already know their preferences. And that's just one way, you know, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat in getting those direct bookings. But that was one of the more clever things that we've seen because, you know, it's a flat, it's a flat fee for the platform. It's not commission-based. So you can get more and more creative, but it, it's definitely very curious, particularly with high ADRs of how expensive the one booking can be. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So any, any last comments? It sounds like what, what I'm taking from you is if you're going to do something like this, you have to be patient. You have to be brave and be patient. You have to be able to ride the waves. Are there any other pieces of advice that you would give uh, to a hotelier that's sitting out there thinking, you know, I think I might give this a, a try. One, one shot and you're out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think um, the last thing I would really say is that, which, which I believe in myself, is that always give your customers the reason to book direct. Maybe I can end with one of my last trips, right? I had a small family trip recently where I was staying for a few nights. And then I thought, next two nights, I will go and extend somewhere else. So I went around the city, right? I walked around. There were some nice hotels nearby, some four-stars, some five-stars, some luxury ones. I went to all of them, right? I, right, I, I walked in as a walk-in and I said, well, tomorrow for two nights, I'm looking for this suite or room or a club floor room or something. And before I went in, right, I did not just walk in. I went online. I checked them out. And I also checked their rates on Agoda because... Agoda is very prominent in that city. And then I went in and I asked them all, so what's the rate? All of their rates were at least 25 to 30% more expensive than what was on Agoda. And when I said to them, and I, almost everybody I said to them like this at the front desk, oh, but I can, I can buy this on Agoda. I showed them my phone at this price. Oh, yes, uh, if you are a member on Agoda, you get a special I know this is a podcast, so I wish people could see my face. 
Wow. <laughs> so driving loyalty to an OTA instead of to your own property while you're standing in the property. <laughs> yes. And the best part is I ended up booking my stay at Dakota for the extension nights. I went stayed there. They still treated me as a VIP. No need to be booking direct. Maybe if I had booked directly, maybe they would have let me open the champagne, but I don't know. But then when I was checking out, they gave me the bill. I looked on top and just to see which company it was, where I booked from, and it was not Agoda. Oh. It was okay, MG Pet Bank. <laughs> so basically, that rate did not even come from Agoda. It came from a pet bank. So, and that, that owner probably ended up paying north of 30% on that booking between all of the, between the discount, the upgrade, the commission. So uh, there you go. All right. Well, hopefully the owner's not aware that you were there. Um, <laughs> so uh, thanks so much, Janice. This has been a very informative uh, discussion. So if our, if our uh, listeners are interested in learning more about Chroma Hospitality, where should they go? What's the URL? Well, they can go to www.chromahospitality.com. Fantastic. Yeah. Beautiful properties in the Philippines. You heard it here first and book direct. Thank you so much for the discussion today. I loved it. Thanks, Karen. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening to the Hotel Moment podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe for more content. For more information, head to hotelmomentpodcast.com. The Hotel Moment podcast is presented by Revenate and produced by Make More Media.